0: This morning, our scripture reading (laughs) and the sermon are going to kind of come together um, as I was thinking about what to say about Zacchaeus, because we do, we don't have a whole lot of meat to a story, um, but as I began to think about putting my own feet in his shoes, uh, the day that he met Jesus, I did a little searching to see if I could find a monologue online that I felt like helped us to kind of dive into the scripture in a new way. And so... um that's what I have this morning for the first part of our sermon time together is a monologue about Zacchaeus. And I did not write this. Uh, I added a, a little bit of things or tweaked here and there. But um, I will give credit at the end um, to the person who did write it. Um, and, uh, and, but this morning, join me as we step into the life uh, of Zacchaeus and the day that he met Jesus. not really sure what piqued my interest in you. Maybe it was seeing my friend Levi go through an extreme makeover of his life. It could have been the word on the street. Everyone was talking about you. Maybe it was that stinging title that they gave you. Friend of tax collectors and sinners. Maybe it was all of that. I'm not sure. But something in me had to go see for myself. Chasing rabbis isn't really my thing. I'd been to temple, I hadn't been to temple in years, except when I was first starting out in the tax business, but that was just to shake down the priests who were always trying to hide their coffers from Rome. They imagined a ridiculous world in which religious communities were tax exempt. You found me up in a sycamore tree that day. I had to climb that stupid tree. See, I may have a big head and a really big wallet, but I've got little legs. (laughs) Being short was never an issue for me, though. I ran the biggest tax racket in all of Jericho, like a mob boss. I ran one of the three big tax cartels. You had the Jerusalem cartel, the Capernaum cartel, and the Jericho cartel, which was mine. Being the boss meant you had to be ruthless. If you've ever seen a tax collector beat someone for holding back the coin, I promise you they learned that move from me. My guys knew I would treat them much worse if they didn't bring me my share. The way the game was played in Rome was like this. Rome wants their money. They have to keep Caesar's purses full, run the military, build all the buildings, and pay the bills for the governors and officials to make Rome hum along like the superpower that it is. None of that's cheap, and the only way to keep the place going is through taxing the people. That's where I come in. Rome hired out the tax business. They understood that my people, the Jews, who are a rowdy bunch, if I'm being honest, would be more willing to pay up. If people that were paying to were Jews themselves. I saw an opportunity and I went for it. I might be small, but I've got big dreams. I negotiated a deal with the powers that be to collect the taxes for a fee, of course. And I would be responsible for delivering Rome their money. I had a lot on the line. If I don't pay, it's my neck. So here's how I figured it out. We collect more than Rome is asking for. That makes up for the peasants who never have any money. It helps me pay my guys a decent wage and I get my cut, which is another way of saying I get rich. Rome is happy, my guys are happy. The Jews hate me, but they hate everyone. And my wife has the house of her dreams. I'm like the the Madoff of Jericho, you might say. The folks around here hate me, but I'm not trying to win any popularity contests, so who cares, right? I'm at the top of my game. And let me tell you something, the view from the top is the best you'll ever see. No one gets to where I am without knowing how to make things happen. By force or diplomacy, I always won. It's the art of the deal, you might say. Anyone who sees who says they would rather have a faith, they would rather be a faithful Jew than to be a rich one has never spent a night under Egyptian cotton sheets. They're surprisingly cool in the summer and warm in the winter. It, it still puzzles me how they work. Anyways, long story short, I was a feared man. Men like me who are feared don't take to the teachings of wannabe messiahs. But I'd heard so much about you that I wanted to see for myself. I had heard that you even told people to pay taxes to Caesar and give to God what is God. So I I figured at least my business wasn't at risk. I didn't know then how much that tax racket had turned me into someone that I wouldn't recognize today. I was a monster, literally. People came close to dying at my hand. I extorted money from king and countrymen and never thought twice about it. I I liked power, I liked stuff, and I liked all the things that came from having both. I will never forget that day. I climbed up a fig tree so that I could hide behind its big leaves and get a good view at the same time. I didn't want to be seen by the townsfolk, but my curiosity got the best of me. To this day, I'm still not totally sure why I did it. Dissatisfaction had been growing in my life that year. Like everything I touched had been exposed to a virus of unhappiness. I had everything a businessman could want. But there was a shallowness to it all. You can only drink so many bottles of wine before you realize it's just still grapes crushed and aged. All those rooms sitting empty in my home were creating a hollow space in my soul. Maybe it was just stuff that I was getting older, a midlife crisis or whatever. The power, the money, the stuff, it just didn't fire me up like it used to. You understood that a lot more than I did. Always talking about the dangers of loving money instead of God preaching on and on about rich men and eyes of needles and things I never really fully understood. All that emptiness created a curiosity that I couldn't push away, so I went to hear the rabbi wanting to find out who you were for myself. You started walking through the crowds towards the tree that I was in. I felt so stupid up there. <laughs> I tried to be still. I held my breath, thinking and hoping you would just walk right on past. Zacchaeus, you yelled up to me, and my heart stuck in my throat. This was my worst nightmare, the bigwig rabbi calling me out in front of the crowd. You could hear the laughs and murmurs ripple through the crowd, as if they were finally going to get their revenge on me, publicly humiliated by the rabbi of the week. But you didn't do that. You were not what I would have expected. Religious people uh, snubbed, had, had snubbed their nose at me their entire adult life. Walking by with their head in the air so high and mighty, their robes and prayers acting so holier and superior. I figured you would give me a lecture like they would. But you didn't. If anyone could have acted superior and holy, surely it would have been you. You're the son of man for crying out loud, but instead you just told me you were coming to my house. I complied, but in the back of mind, I thought my wife is gonna kill me. The housekeeper didn't come for another two days. My whiskey collection is right there out for everyone to see. And and frankly my house was a little over the top especially for the likes of the traveling rabbi hopefully he'll like the egyptian cotton sheets I offered you hospitality but in reality you are the one who welcomed me that changed the game i i, I put you i put on the best spread i could with such short notice While you didn't seem overly impressed, you didn't look down on me either. You even told my wife she had a lovely home. I thought to myself, it should be lovely. It cost me a fortune. You were talking to me like I was just a normal human being. You saw past my money and my power and didn't care about any of it. You never judged me but you had that fire that I was missing. You had something that was more powerful than all the money and power could create in my life. Only the fire that you had created had peace and shalom. The fire I had in my heart just gave me heartburn. As you talked about your father and your kingdom, I realized that I had rolled the dice on the wrong game I went all in on the wrong kingdom. Over dinner and wine, you pulled back the layers of my soul, asking about my family, my children, what I liked to do in my free time, books I read, music I listened to, places I'd been, times when I felt joy, love, kindness, sadness. You saw the human behind the facade. You showed me what I really wanted. Life. I just wanted a deep, meaningful, spiritual life. I was starving for it. You created a hunger in my soul for something more. You offered me friendship, but I found faith that you were the Lord my life longed for. The change was really raw and sudden, and everyone present thought that I had lost my mind. I'm not even sure what overtook me when I stood up from the table that night, raising my glass and telling all my friends and family that I was giving half of all I had to the poor and paying back all the people I'd wronged with 400% interest. Quickly doing the math in my head, even as the words fell from my lips, I, I knew that I would not end up with much. But in all honesty, I realized that all I wanted Was to be your disciple. My hands that once once clenched like fists to fight for power and cling to coin were open and raised worshiping your Father. You said salvation had come to my house that day. I call it the day that you, Jesus, welcomed me home. Letting go of my stuff made room for my life, for life that is truly life. I kept the Egyptian cotton sheets, though. I mean, you get that, right? This monologue was written by Rick McKinley um, from the Amago Day community. Amago um, Day is a non-denominational church in southeast Portland. I'm striving to love God, each other, and our neighbors well. It was interesting to to do a little diving on their website this week. So thank you, Rick, for those words and that art. In reality, we really don't know much about Zacchaeus. Um, However, this scripture comes after other stories of not being able to see clearly. The story is found in the 19th chapter of Luke, but chapter 18 ends with confusion about Jesus foretelling of his death and the disciples not understanding, not seeing clearly. The NIV, the NIV says the disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Following this is a story about a blind beggar receiving sight. This story could have also been a part of our site Sunday, but but the rich imagery, again, of uh, diving just a little deeper that we find Jesus rubbing elbows with these people, sitting around a table, um, digging into the same dishes, passing the bread and the plates with those that the rest of the world at that time called sinners. And something about this encounter up close with Jesus changes Zacchaeus. And who knows how many others as the ripple effects began to move. I loved these lines from the monologue. But you had that fire that I was missing. You had something that was more powerful than all the money and power could create in me. As you talked about your father and your kingdom, I realized that I rolled the dice on the wrong game. I went all in on the wrong kingdom. Sometimes we forget the power of the gospel we say we believe in. We forget the power in the teachings of Jesus, how radical it is to think of a world turned upside down. In Luke 19:9 9 in the NIV, uh, Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. This man, too, is a child of God. This man, too, is made in the image of God. We are all children of God. We are all made in the image of God. We are all children of Abraham. As we move closer to the cross for Easter, may we know the power of the gospel May we not try to tame it, but remember that it changed lives completely, and it can do the same for ours. May we go all in on the right kingdom and quit chasing the things of the kingdom of this world. May we care more about others, about love, about a world where everyone is seen and treated as a child of God, rather than pursuing power, beauty, money, success, and all of the things that this world says matter. If life feels a little hollow, maybe it's time to climb up a tree, get away for a while, take a quiet walk, spend some time in scripture and prayer, listen to worship music while you take a hot shower, make space for the holy, whatever it takes to get a glimpse of God. Know that Jesus sees you hiding in the tree, (laughs) trying to get a glimpse of God trying to just follow all this Christian stuff from a distance, a safe distance. And his beautiful invitation is to come down, step in, make the sacrifices, be part of the beautiful things that God is creating, and surrender to the beautiful things that God wants to make of you. Will you pray with me? God, we work so hard in our culture to, to tame the gospel, to make it about rules and regulations, to try to keep it behind stained glass or even in little tiny Zoom boxes. <laughs> as we come into uh, Holy Week, uh, week after next, and and this week leading up to Palm Sunday, as we get closer to Easter, as we are living in a time where we feel a little more hope, a little more glimmer of what could be, may we remember that we follow a gospel that turns the world upside down. As we look at the news and our heartbreaks for the ways that racism and power are pervasive in our world, may we, re- may we remember that we follow a gospel that turns the world upside down. God, help us not to watch from a safe distance, but to be really all in. To be all in on the beautiful things that you're doing in this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Michael, I forget where we landed on announcements.
1: <laughs> Me doing them.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, just making sure.
1: <laughs> I've been unmuted, so I wanted to make sure that I didn't just, like, jump in right when you did.
0: No, you're good. Um, just a couple of
1: announcements before we go our own ways. Um, next Sunday, we are having our Easter picnic. Easter isn't two Sundays, but um, we're having our Easter picnic this um this Palm Sunday, Sunday, Um, so March 28th. Uh, Your instructions are just to bring a hat, any hat that you're cool with putting random stuff on, um, because we're going to have a hat decoration contest, um, because we love a good competition. um, So that will be fun. Make sure to also bring something to eat and chairs or a blanket, whatever you need for your family. Um, We're going to meet at 11 instead of 10:30, um so remember that slight time change and it's going to be in clayton town square which is right in front of uh, boulevard west coffee shop In um, that open space we've reserved the area um so we are good to go for that um, also bring your mask of course because um, we will be in public so um, know that that is what next sunday is we're excited to hang out to play to just enjoy each other and to eat a little bit together. Like we talked about, that's that's a bit sacred. So the following Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we are going to be back in person at the Women's Club of Clayton. Um, so we will still offer live Zoom worship for those that would rather be at home, um, would rather worship virtually. Um, and that Sunday we are going to flower the cross um, so make sure to bring some flowers, um, or whatever you want to do with that. We have, if you all remember, we have like a wooden cross that has a bunch of holes in it. Um, so we will, we will, uh, flower that as we go into worship is the plan and it will be everybody, not just the younger folks this year. We want everybody to participate. Um, and there will be some flowers there are available. If you don't want to bring your own, don't worry. Um. And after worship, we may take some pictures outside with it. And uh, know that those worship[s] that we are starting back in person, we will be socially distanced, we will be requiring masks, and we will have hand sanitizer ready. Um, but before, you all have done excellently when we've been in person, so I trust that we'll do the same here.